and welcome to another edition of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and today is, well, it's my generation's date that will live in infamy, September 11th, 2019, 18 years since the towers fell and the Pentagon was attacked on that horrible day in 2001. So, first things first, I wanted to apologize for taking so long and being out. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the personal life, um... And we're going to start by covering some of that. Now, my favorite part of the World Series, when my team isn't playing in it, and my favorite part of the All-Star Game, besides introductions, is always during the game when they stand up for cancer. Or stand up to cancer, excuse me. Well, that's part of the reason that I haven't been on. I had a family member, my mother-in-law, who for the second time in the last few years has beaten that dreaded disease. We have been helping take care of her and really just watching her fight and coming out on top once again. So I stand for my mother-in-law and she's beaten it again. She joins my dad as a survivor. It's got nothing on my family. So on top of everything else going on, I was unable to get a proper preview of both the NCAA or college football and uh, the NFL together. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to recap the first two weeks of Buckeye football. I'm going to recap, I guess you can call that football what the Browns did on Sunday. And we're going to go over where the New York Mets are as we speak right now on September 11th. So it's going to be a little bit of review, a little bit of hope, a little bit of, oh my God, I cannot believe what I just saw. So let's start with some of the good stuff. Nah, scratch that. Let's start with the bad. Let's start with what I'd like to call the ghetto stomping that the Cleveland Browns took on Sunday. Now look, the hype around the Browns has been such that everyone is expecting this team to go 16-0. Except me. My pick for the Browns was 10-6. If you go back to the AFC North preview on Clubhouse Sports Podcast... That was my pick for the Browns, 10-6, and six, and winning the AFC North. Now, that's still within reach, because guess what? This was just week one, but there are some things that really did concern me. Um, I listened to the game on the radio, and Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon, who have called Browns games for forever. Deacon even played for the Browns years ago. And basically, what I heard was 18 penalties for 180-plus yards. I heard an offensive lineman get thrown out. I heard an offensive line not play very well, and I heard an offense not being able to get into rhythm. And because of that, the defense gave up a ton of points. Now look, Baker Mayfield is better than this. Odell Beckham had a decent day. Jarvis had a pretty good day, and Joku caught the only touchdown. Um, Twitter has been ablaze. With the Browns are garbage, it's the same old Browns, it's this, it's that. The only Brown who took a bigger beating than the Cleveland Browns this week was Antonio Brown. But I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Look, 
anybody who watches this team knew when they weren't playing together in the preseason, the beginning of this season was going to be tough. And it's not like they're getting an easy route. Tennessee is not a bad team. They are better than most people give them credit for. Marcus Mariota knows how to run that offense now. And with a bull like Derrick Henry in the backfield, this team is going to cause some problems in the AFC South ever since the retirement of Andrew Luck from the Indianapolis Colts. So I didn't think this was going to be the big win that a lot of people in Browns land thought it was going to be. I thought the Browns were going to win, but I did not believe it to be this big blowout people were talking about. Tennessee is a very good team, and they finally have given Mariota some weapons. We saw that in full effect when the Browns lost by 30 points, 43-13, to home opener in Cleveland. Now... The biggest issue I saw, and I've watched the highlight package of the game, is there were a lot of blown calls in that game. And I'm not saying that the Browns would have won this game had they not gone that way. But the biggest blown call I saw on one screen pass, they called an illegal block on the Browns, um, which would have sprung, I believe, Jarvis for a lot of yards. And they call, I'm sorry, no, it would have sprung Odell, and they called Jarvis for the illegal block. Um. On Derrick Henry's 75-yard touchdown on the screen pass, there was a blatant hold that was not called. He tackled the defender, the blocker did, and it sprung Henry for 75 yards. Now, I'm not saying the Browns would have won the game, but that was right after Baker had taken them down the field after two very bad penalties on the Browns during that drive. And he threw the touchdown pass to David Njoku. I was actually driving home uh, from being with my mother-in-law and my wife uh, over the weekend. And they, the Browns were in it. The crowd was back in it. I myself was yelling and screaming at my phone, which was broadcasting into my stereo in my car. They were in this game. The problem is... They had the big play, which took all the momentum away, and then it was uphill battle from there. The Cleveland Browns are going to be a team that can be explosive through the air, but they are going to run the football. They are going to need Nick Chubb to eat clock to make sure they keep that phenomenal defense fresh for the remainder of the season. I did see some positive things. That drive I just referenced... With Baker, they looked good. They really did. They were The ball was coming out on time. The receivers were running great routes. Jarvis caught a big play down the field. Uh, Baker had him right back to the line to run the next play. The defense had a couple of good moments, but all in all, it was a lost Sunday for the Cleveland Browns. 0-1, they head into their first of four nationally televised games on Monday Night Football against the New York Jets here in New York. Well, New Jersey. Uh, the Jets, who blew a 16-3 lead to lose 17-16 to the Buffalo Bills last week. You know, what am I going to say about the Jets? I have people who tell me Sam Darnold's the answer. I disagree wholeheartedly. So the Browns, I believe, will be 1-1 one one come Tuesday the 17th. And now we're talking about win the games you're supposed to win and sneak in a game or two here and there that you're not supposed to win, and you're a playoff team and a division winner. Look, the rest of the division, Cincinnati lost to Seattle. The Steelers got even worse hood-stomped by New England because they didn't even score a touchdown. 
And look, Baltimore won big against, um, you know, a high school team in the Miami Dolphins. There are people who are saying that Lamar Jackson is going to be this every week. He's not. The Miami Dolphins are tanking for Tua Tungaviola or Justin or Herbert from Oregon. That's just what they're doing. They are not trying to win. They are trying to get the number one pick. And they have made it very, very clear that that is their goal. I still pick the Browns to win the division. I believe they will win 10 games. I will believe they will win the division. And they'll win the division because I think they'll beat Baltimore both times, to be honest with you. Now on to more happy things. And that is the start of the 2-0, number 6, Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, I didn't watch much of last weekend against Cincinnati. A 42-0 stomp job in the horseshoe against longtime Ohio State Buckeye, not only alum and player, but a former coach, the defensive coordinator of the 2014 National Championship run, and also the interim head coach that took over for Jim Tressel and was the bridge to Urban Meyer. Luke Fickle took one on the chin on Saturday in the horseshoe for the first time in a long time. Even when Fickle was a player, he was a nose tackle, and Fickle held the record for most games started in a Buckeye uniform for a long time. They took one on the chin, and they took one on the chin because of the play of transfer quarterback Justin Fields. Listen, I don't know what Georgia was thinking. This kid is the real deal. Now, I know Fromm has been to two consecutive AFC, wow, SEC championship games. I understand he's been to a national championship game. This kid's phenomenal. They did a stat um, where they work with the completion percentage. And they take out the drops. He's got a 90% completion percentage. He has tied JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins for most touchdowns in the first two games to start a career with nine. His first touchdown in a Buckeye uniform was a 51-yard RPO that he kept the ball and took off against FAU and Lane Kiffin. And last week, he was just dropping dimes and running the ball. But more importantly... J.K. Dobbins is going to be a force to be reckoned with. He had a phenomenal, phenomenal game in Week 1. He had a better game in Week 2. And now we start the Big Ten season when they play Indiana on Saturday in the Fox-featured game at high noon. But other than all that, the offense has been amazing. Let's talk about the Buckeye defense. Let's talk about a team that last year may have been the worst defensive unit I've ever seen wear scarlet and gray. They were missing tackles, big plays left and right. There really haven't been any big plays. The second half against FAU, they basically took it off after a huge lead. They were up 28-0 before the first quarter was over. But this week, you could tell they wanted to show out, and they did. A shutout, which is the first shutout since the 2017 season. Ohio State came to play, and they played phenomenally. Indiana this week. Then you get into, my, I believe, Miami of Ohio is coming up soon. Um, I mean, this is going to be a decent stretch where they're going to have to get some games won. Uh, you know, they run the gauntlet at the end of the year. They have to play at the end of the year 
in succession, Maryland, who whooped up on Syracuse at Rutgers in Piscataway, home for Penn State at Michigan. But the next couple weeks, they can win some games. At Indiana, home for Miami of Ohio, in Nebraska in Lincoln, home for Michigan State, at Northwestern, home for Wisconsin, and then their only bye week of the year on the 2nd of November. Running into the gauntlet they have to run with Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State, and Michigan. Um, This team will be tested. This is a very good schedule. This is a schedule that I can see them running the table. I see problems at Northwestern. I see problems with Wisconsin. Maryland has an explosive offense, but they haven't done anything on the road yet, so let's see what they do there. Fields and Dobbins, I believe, will both be late-season Heisman contenders. I think J.K. is going to run for over 1,000 yards, and he will have done that three years in a row, having started as a freshman. Um, the Buckeyes have depth. And if you watched Urban Meyer, who, by the way, all bias aside, Urban Meyer is phenomenal on Fox's new show. With him and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert, um, he's phenomenal. He knows the game and he loves the game. So he, he has been absolutely fantastic on TV this year. I miss him on the sidelines, but I'll tell you what, that Ryan Day kid knows what he's doing. So Ohio State has a very young um, wide receiver core. They have a very young tight end group. And they have a pretty young backfield. And they have a quarterback who had never started a game before week one this year. I would have said this had I done the Big Ten preview. I believe Ohio State will win the Big Ten for the third consecutive year. Beating Mr. Harbaugh and that team up north for the eighth straight time. I don't see a trap game for them, except maybe Miami of Ohio in two weeks. But even then, the last Ohio hasn't lost to an in state school and I don't know how long. In forever. So I see bigger bigger things for the Buckeyes moving forward. Now we get to outside of the family stuff the real reason I couldn't get into doing the football previews and that is my New York Mets. While everyone has been ignoring baseball, the Mets have been a phenomenally turned around team. The pitching has shown out with rare exception in the starting staff. The bullpen has fixed it somewhat outside of that massive letdown in Washington. A few weeks ago, the Mets beat the Nationals coming back from three down in the ninth inning. A few weeks later, the Nationals turned a favor, putting up a seven spot in the ninth inning to win 11-10. But here's the difference. The next day, the Mets, who could have folded and died, went out and beat Washington to take two out of three in D.C., They've come home. They had a rough series against the Phillies, only winning one out of three. They have taken the first two against Arizona. And as we speak tonight, Todd Frazier has hit two home runs. The Mets lead the Arizona Diamondbacks 7 to nothing at City Field. They got four against Arizona. 
Then the Dodgers come in for three, and the Dodgers have already clinched the National League West. So they can make some hay. Nimmo is back. Frazier's playing well. Jed Lowry all of a sudden has decided he's ready to play. But the biggest stories this year were the three All-Stars. And that is the Flying Squirrel, Jeff McNeil. McNeil is now hitting is second in the National League in hitting. And with the unfortunate injury to Christian Yelich last night, which will sideline him for the rest of the season, now he's got a chance to get a shot at a batting title. And then there is quite simply the best right-handed pitcher in all of the National League, and that is Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom is putting up very like numbers to what he did last year when he won the Cy Young, getting 30 out of 31 first-place votes and running away with it without having the most wins in the league. He leads the league in strikeouts. He's in the top five in ERA. I believe he will get to 11 or 12 wins. Could we see a back-to-back for Jacob deGrom for the Cy Young? Hyunjin Ryu may have something to say about that. Max Scherzer may have something to say about that. But I believe it's going to come down to those three once again. And then there's the biggest story out of New York in sports this year, in my opinion. And that is the polar bear. Pete Alonso. Before the All-Star break, Pete Alonso broke the Mets' all-time rookie record for home runs in a season. A couple weeks ago, in Kansas City, Pete Alonso broke the all-time record for National League rookies for home runs in a single season. It wasn't... August wasn't even over yet. And a couple of days later against the Cubs, Pete Alonso hit his 42nd home run of the year. That broke the Mets' all-time single-season record held by Todd Hundley and Carlos Beltran. He broke that before September. Then he hit two the other night. He is at 47. Pete Alonso now leads the National League. I'm sorry. Pete Alonso now leads the major leagues in home runs. He has 47. Trout has 45. Bellinger has 44. Uh, Suarez from the Reds, who's had a phenomenal year, is at 44. Christian Yelich, of course, will end at 44. Jorge Soler from Kansas City is 41. And then you got guys like Acuna and Arenado and Freeman and Bell and Donaldson and Kepler and Torres and Bregman and Nelson Cruz and J.D. Martinez, and the list goes on and on. But the top of that list is the polar bear himself, Pete Alonzo. They're four back with 18 to play. They have jumped the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are now beating them again. They are doing things I didn't expect with the way this team played the first half of the year. It blows my mind and it makes me smile that this team is playing this way. 
The New York Mets sit three games behind Chicago for the second wild card and five and a half behind the Nationals for the second wild card. There's 18 to play. They're going to jump Arizona tonight. They can jump Philadelphia tomorrow. And I don't see Milwaukee getting it done without Christian Yelich, which means it's going to come down to the Mets and the Cubs. The Cubs lost Javier Baez. A huge blow to this team. So I want everybody to close their eyes for a minute. And all you baseball fans that listen to me, I want you to think about this. We could be going into a one-game playoff, the National League wildcard game. Close your eyes. Listen to the words. In Washington, the Mets and the Nationals. Jacob deGrom against Max Scherzer for the right to go play the one seed in the National League, which will be the Dodgers. You want intrigue? You want big names? You want guys who can flat out sling it? There you go. That is the game that baseball should hope they get. The Mets and the Nationals, Jacob deGrom, against Max Scherzer. I'll even take Noah Syndergaard against Steven Strasburg. The song says, wake me up when September ends. I don't want to sleep on this September, and neither should anybody else. This is going to be fun to watch. There is so much going on. Pete Alonso hits six more home runs. He'll do something I never thought would be done, and that is break the all-time rookie record for home runs set by Aaron Judge in 2017 with 53 home runs. This guy plays in a pitcher's park. You saw what he did in the Derby. The power is insane. So the podcast community that I'm in, a bunch of us have a fantasy football league. And part of the thing is it's only for bragging rights, but every week that you lose, you have to promote the other guy's show. So because of being um, dealing with the family stuff that I was dealing with, I had to set my draft on auto. Drafted a pretty good team, um, I personally believe. And I lost this week to my man Sonny from SCG Sports. Now, Sonny and I disagree on a lot of things because Sonny is all Baltimore. I'm more encompassing and I cannot stand the Baltimore Ravens. But if you want somebody who can break down the NFL, who can break down his team, and who can break down his city, Sonny's your guy. He's really good at what he does. Him and I did a behind enemy lines. He's a lot of fun and he knows his stuff. So everybody out there, SCG Sports, it's a YouTube channel. Take a listen. Take a look. Sonny's a guy you can learn a lot about Baltimore, but he knows a lot about the NFL in general. He's actually the one we did the mock draft with uh, for the NFL draft, and he was very knowledgeable then, and uh, he's a great... I love listening to his stuff now. In closing for tonight,
you know, the song made famous by Alan Jackson, where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? And I can tell you where I was. I was at work. And um, I had been on a plane heading home from Seattle. I landed in Albany, New York on September the 9th, 2001. I um, It scared me that Tuesday. Not for that. Partially for that. But also because my daughter, who is now 18 and had gra- has graduated high school and is in college, was three months old. And I thought, what kind of a world did I bring this child into? Ten days later, I was sitting at home with her on my lap. And I remember my daughter pointing at the television. And then you heard the words from the mouth of Howie Rose. You heard this. For the first time in 10 days, New York City cheered. They cheered for a home run. They cheered for a man who they had revered since his acquisition three years earlier. That was the day we began to heal. To be culminated in a Yankees run to the World Series and the most iconic first pitch in baseball history. Don't ever forget what happened 18 years ago today. And don't ever forget how the country felt the next day. More united than it's been in my lifetime since the Gulf War. As always, Big Recon on Sports can be found on Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, and Anchor. Our YouTube channel, Big Recon on Sports, Facebook, Big Recon on Sports, and of course, my personal Twitter handle, at Big Recon on Sport, we can be found in all places. Going to be coming to you with more episodes now that things are starting to calm down. I can get back into it. Um, we'll have a recap every week of Browns and Ohio State. Haven't decided if it's going to be a podcast or it's going to be on the YouTube channel like I was doing the Met wrap-ups. Going to have the baseball postseason preview and award show like we did last year. Hopefully it'll be with a New York Mets spin to it. I believe it will for the award show anyway, but hopefully the playoff show will have a New York Mets spin to it. Well, thanks to everybody who has stuck with me and thank you for being patient in this time. The only three words that mean anything going forward. Let's go Mets.